Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. If you are new here, this is a podcast dedicated to hearing the personal stories of individuals within the leather and kink communities across all generations. Today's guest is a kinky, non-binary, demi-flex queer who holds the titles of Miss San Diego Leather 2014 and International Miss Leather 2015. Get ready for some more Leather Talk. Well, everyone, this is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. And before we get started with today's episode, I would like to put forward a disclaimer. Today's episode will include topics that may be triggering for some individuals. There will also be discussion over some controversial topics. I do want to remind our listeners that Leather Talk is a platform for leather folk to share their own personal story and experiences. With that often comes a wide range of perspectives on some issues. As a listener, we do not have to agree with everything or anything for that matter that is brought forth by a guest of the show. Each episode is simply a snapshot of one's own personal perspective and opinions. I think that it is important more than ever before to listen to each other's stories and to hear where each of us come from in order to create a space in which we have productive conversations. We will not solve any big issues today over the short amount of time we have here on the show, But I do hope that Leather Talk will continue to be a place where individuals can speak freely about their experiences. And if any of our episodes do spark more in-depth, productive conversations outside of our talk today, I think that is great. As always, the views and opinions expressed are those of this guest only and do not reflect any official position of the Leather Talk podcast. Well, everybody, this is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Sarge. Hi, Sarge. Hey, thanks for having me. For those audience members who might not be familiar with you, uh, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Sure. My name is Sarge. Uh, Lots of people know me as Tina as well on Facebook, but Sarge is my preferred name through the community. Um, I am recently turned 40, like a few days ago. Nice. The big Um, (laughs) 4-0. Let me tell you how unexciting that is in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I have held the title of Miss San Diego Leather 2014 and International Miss Leather 2015. I am non-binary. I learned a new word through another one of your interviewees and totally identify as Demi Flux. Okay. Which I loved learning about. <laughs> I'm so busy with work and life. I forget to like research who I am sometimes. So there we go. That was very cool. So thank you to that person. And then my sexuality is queer. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's nice to, nice to meet you, Sarge. We had a phone conversation uh, maybe just a week or so ago. And uh, you actually came on the recommendation of, um, of Persephone Di Stefano who yes. I love, absolutely love and adore her. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I always like to start start off with sort of a an origin story. And 
I, I guess I just want to know uh, more about uh, you. And it, it seems, you know, you're, you're still discovering yourself in many ways. What, what is your coming out story like? When did you find out for yourself that you were, you know, like something other than the norm, societal norm? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like I always have been, but there are like major, you know, points in my life where I can look back and say, oh, that's why. Oh, mm-hmm. that's why I felt this way. Um, in high school, I had a crush on a girl named Melissa, who was a basketball player. She was really hot. And she was like the only lesbian, out lesbian at the at my school. And um, of course, I just thought she was the cat's pajamas. <laughs> she was so cool. Um, and <laughs> I just never told anybody about it, you know. Um, I grew up always wanting to be in the army, never mm-hmm. wanting to do like your typical girly things you know I used to low crawl around on the floor when I was like two three four years old and my mom's like what are you doing I'm like I'm being all I can be in the (laughs) army and um you know I just and then I lived that out after high school I went into the army but really uh, I think it hit me like a ton of bricks I was in Thailand at a cooking school Mm -hmm. and there was this woman there who was a Marine and she was just on vacation out there. And it was the first time I had feelings for somebody other than a man that like felt really, really, really real. And at that time I was married to a man. (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. This is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me, uh, hold on. Let's uh, slow down. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I want to know what you mean by exactly by feelings. Are you talking like sexual feelings or romantic feelings or like, can you describe that? I, I like literally fell in love with this person Mm. immediately after having like one swap, like we were sharing a a bowl of, of uh, raw eggs that we were going to be putting into this dish. Like her hand Mm. brushed against mine. It was like something straight out of a movie. It was so dumb. And I was like, (gasps) feel like my breath was taken away. I had butterflies in my stomach. And, and, and then like all of these things that have happened before leading up to, and I wasn't happy in my marriage and I could never figure out why. And I was just eating away my feelings. And, and, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm in love with this woman. Well, I quickly came back from Thailand and we got a divorce and I began living my real life. Wow. So how old were you at this point in your twenties? was yeah 28 okay 28 Mm -hmm. wow so before then did you not have like any inkling that you weren't like straight I mean I fooled around with women Mm -hmm. it was always just sexual I completely and have always separated sex from love from relationships like like, that's I compartmentalize all of those things so just Mm -hmm. because I was sexually attracted to people didn't mean that I could was you know going to love them or right right whatever so I it was a way of protecting myself I guess and my family's pretty conservative she's like my grandparents are very conservative and they're the ones who raised me for the most part so I did a lot of things because they thought it was the way I should be doing things mm-hmm. you know, getting a degree in biochemistry when I could really give a shit um right. <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> Uh, so I didn't start living my life for myself until I got that divorce. Wow. 
So what was that like? I mean, did you feel freed or did you feel any regret? Or like when you say like, I decided now I can live my life for myself. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, So I'll, I'll dive a little bit deeper onto a kind of like awkward part of that going through that divorce was that I was only able to be sexually aroused if I was watching a specific type of porn, BDSM porn, lo and behold, and then going to bed. Um, (laughs) So I started to put things together. And when I fell in love with this random woman who I knew I would never see ever again, I decided, okay, obviously I'm missing something in my life. So I'm going to explore this BDSM side of me. And maybe that will lead me into finding out who I really am not just sexually, but romantically. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, it seems like there's like several layers to this. Like there's one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> figuring out that your relationship isn't working and this like kind of confirming that for you. Two, realizing that like, oh, maybe I'm like a kinky fucker. And then three, like maybe I'm not totally straight. Like it seems right. like a lot of layers there. And so it wasn't even necessarily then about this particular person. Like, I'm going to drop everything and marry this person. It was like, oh, this is now a catalyst for me to, like, move forward. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I I immediately decided to explore dating women while I was exploring BDSM. And so I was kind of living these two separate lives where – At work, I was coming out and Mm -hmm. started dating another woman that I worked with. And then in the evenings, I was going to Kinky Munch or an Explore in San Diego. I was living in San Diego at the time, and we had this, uh, an organization called Club X. And Club X had this event called Explore. And it was like a little taster. Oh, you've never been flogged? Well, come stand here and we'll flog you and bitty blah blue. Oh, you don't know what a needle is? Check this out. <laughs> it was like, like cutesy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to call kitschy BDSM. It was really cool. It was perfect for introductory stuff. You know, you got a taste of, oh, okay, that's not so terrible. I might want to do more of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. so at the time, did you like, you know, I think it's just, it, it, we, how do I even put that? <laughs> I can't even talk. God damn it. <laughs> when when you first like decide okay now I'm taking uh, my first step into living my my true life uh how did you identify at that point were you aware of all of the clueless (laughs) no (laughs) I mean identified as clueless (laughs) no (laughs) no that was an orientation but (laughs) my orientation was clueless you know I, I, I hear other people giving themselves these identifications and I struggle with saying, yes, that is hundred percent me or, oh, I totally am that uh-huh. I, I am fluctuating and evolving always. That is my okay. orientation, constantly fluctuating, constantly evolving. I, and, and let me just say, and I know why now, because I, when I was a kid, I raised my siblings. So I was already an adult. So now I get to be a kid. And so now I'm growing up. So this is me growing up all over again and really learning about myself. And it's, it's hard to be aware of your own feelings and your own self when you're taking care of other people. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you have a, uh, what's your family life now? Do you have kids or of your own? No, 
no kids. No, okay. I, I didn't ever want kids. And then uh, medically, I wasn't able to. So that was a blessing. Um, okay. But my siblings are my kids. They're mm-hmm. much younger than me. And, you know, my baby sister, I, and I still call her my baby sister, even though she's in her, you know, now in her 30s. Yeah. Um, but she's, you know, much younger than me. And we're very good friends. Uh, my youngest brother, who lives in Japan, we're very good friends. And we're, you know, we've just had to grow apart from the I'm another parent role. And so I have to hate mm. you because you're my other parent. Yeah. Um, and so it was the same, same thing that most kids go through with their parents where, you are you rebel against them and you don't want to like them until all of a sudden one day you're like oh my gosh I totally love you yeah and that's what it was like with my siblings now did your siblings also look up to you as a parent or did you just kind of feel like you had to bestow that title upon yourself to take care of everybody I think that I was forced into being a parent and they were forced into having me as a parent but okay. none of us wanted to be like we didn't want that dynamic right right so there was a lot of uh hatred um and a lot of resentment tons of resentment and just you know bad behavior all around because of it so we we had a lot to work through and we have and that's really cool so what was that like i mean were there any struggles coming out to your family as like kinky or or queer or or however so I thought that coming out was going to be like this big thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I first started dating that woman from work, I said to my mom, you know, uh, for 4th of July this year, I might, I might be, I might bring a guest. She was like, mm-hmm. okay. And then she's the one that said a man or a woman. And I said, a woman. And that was that. I mean, there was like, there was no grandiose, like I need to sit anybody down at a table. Nothing. That never happened with me. And when I told my mom that I was running for a title, she says, she, she says, you know, I'm not really sure that that's such a good idea for like a public persona, but you've always been a kinky fucker. Those were her words. So, (laughs) and then there's that. So like, I didn't have to come out. I guess I was, I've always been out. I'm the one that kept myself closeted. Everybody else knew about me before I did, I guess. I I was the late bloomer. (laughs) Even my grandparents were like, why are you traveling all over the world? You know, when I was (laughs) <laughs> traveling all over for international Miss Leather titles. Yeah. And they were like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, uh, going to um, Cape Town, South Africa. And what exactly are you doing there? And I'm like, promotion, <laughs> <laughs> promotion. I'm working for a promotion company. It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So finally I sat them down and I said, you know what, this is what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm trying to hide it from you. It is what it is. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and then I was engaged to a woman and I, I didn't ever say, Hey, I need to tell you, uh, you know, there's like this thing. I just said, you know, this is so-and-so we're engaged. Um, you know, we're, we're planning on getting married. It is what it is. Like, I just never, I, I didn't feel like it was fair that out of the norm had to had this big coming out thing. I don't know. So I just didn't, I just, I just talked about it. Like it was a normal thing and it was never an issue yeah yeah it's so funny that you talk how your grandparents because like i remember my my um my grandmother found out through an aunt and she's like oh you know brandon is is gay right and she goes oh well we just won't tell your grandpa (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) like 
<laughs> and they they were very very conservative too. I mean, we, I, I'm from like a whole Catholic Latino family and everything. And I know you mentioned your grandparents were conservative. Does any of that have to do with religion? Uh, I think a while ago it had. I think it's age. Okay, it's just their age and where they you know their origins. Nothing. Yeah, they're not super religious, not anymore. But I mean, they're another right wing. Yeah. Yeah. that will be a whole other conversation <laughs> let's not open that kind I'm of try not to, yeah i'm trying not to bring any <laughs> politics into it but you know um it's it's difficult because i love them unconditionally yeah and it's hard for me it's it's hard for me to have that much love and respect for people who are so closed-minded about so many topics and so i actually try to use it to practice Mm-hmm. how to approach because they are so set in stone and so I, I just use it as you know practice like why do you think like that I actually learn from them and mm. you know well you know why why do you think like that what makes you support people because they have an r in front of their name in parentheses right right why yeah why 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 I just ask why a lot I mean this is hard <laughs> it's hard for me to visit my family sometimes because they're they're all uh I mean we've been through the ringer on this one the last four years because we're just yeah. on so opposing sides but um but yeah so okay <clears throat> i want to figure out your bdsm life so when did you figure out that you were kinky and what was your first like kinky sexual experience like Ooh, mm, when i first figured out i was kinky is when i stumbled upon bdsm porn on accident and was like whoa oh that's good Ooh. Do you remember what was happening? Yes, I remember <laughs> every second of it. I oh, it was awfully good. Okay, so it's oh, it was like okay, she was, this woman was bound and gagged, and then the gagged was removed, and a dildo was put into her mouth, and she was face fucked with this dildo, and then there was a fucking machine behind her. And she looked like a pig on a spit and they were spitting on her and oh, <laughs> it was so good. Wow. <laughs> oh, and then they pissed on her. And then I learned about that. And that was You were good. like, oh, you can piss on people. <laughs> I was That's like, my well, favorite fetish, by the way. I'm a total oh, water I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm I'm a top when it comes to that. I haven't I haven't quite enjoyed being peed on so much, but <laughs> so I mean, like I feel like a lot of people might see something that extreme with all of those details that you described and be like, "Whoa!" at first, but you were like immediately. I mean, what what drew you particularly to? Was it like every Tear. aspect of it? it? I think it was the tears coming down her face. Mm. Um, the verbal degradation was really, really hot. I mean, the whole humiliation of the that the entire scene. I, I humiliation one hundred percent is is at the very top of my list. I, there's nothing better than humiliation for me. So I, I and I'm I'm a switch when it comes to the humiliation. So I really, really, really love it. So to see her, I was able to picture being the one doing it to her and being the one getting it done in that position and oh my gosh I'm like shaking a little bit it's so good (laughs) 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 but uh so 
let's talk a little bit about humiliation because a lot of people might be listening in, maybe just discovering King for the first time and being like, why would you want to be humiliated? What What is it that draws someone to humiliation as a pleasurable experience? Oh, I mean, unfortunately for me, I know where it stems from. Trigger warning, trigger warning. Here we go. Unfortunately for me, uh, it stems from my child abuse and I have turned it into a reclaiming of that loss of power from when I was a child. And so now it is a turn on because I'm in control of the situation. Even if I've given the control to somebody else for the moment to humiliate me, it was my decision. Right. Okay. So I'm still in control of it. So whether the word is, you know, you dirty fucking pig or you slimy little slut or whatever the words are that are coming out of the mouth, I earned those words. So for me, the pleasure comes behind the fact that I've earned the right and earned the pleasure and earned the command of the situation. Wow. I never heard it explained quite that way before, but that's really interesting to, to hear that. It's, you know, what's interesting for me is that all of my deepest, most intense fetishes all stem from like the reclaiming of traumatic experiences from my past. Here's another trigger warning. I was gang raped in the military. And now gang rape to me is a huge fantasy. But again, I have to be in control of that situation. Like I I, I love gang bangs in general, mm-hmm. but I would love to organize a gang rape. But I would have to be the one to organize it just so I can reclaim that experience right and you when know? you say when you say gang rape you're talking about like a scene play thing kind of thing right yeah Where it's all agreed upon and correct and yes consent yeah okay okay wow wow um do you remember and i feel like i'm giving myself a whole for a third trigger warning but <laughs> <do> you... <laughs> number three <laughs> Do you remember what your first just sexual experience was, period? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, w- <laughs> it was with a woman. Um, <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> I look back, I look back and I, I think, how did I not know I, I wasn't straight? How did I not know? So this girl and I will call her Emily because it'll be easy for me to say her name. Okay, so Emily and I, we were... 12 Emily's mother gave us a book to read and it was all about the vagina and penises and orgasms and sex and it was a really interesting book well one of the things it talked about was queefing yes I know it talked about queefing in the book so we decided what is this we decided to practice queefing and that was uh okay hold on i might just hey (laughs) am i the only one that doesn't know what queefing is (laughs) it's it's like the vaginal fart (laughs) okay okay (laughs) so you can like either either it's voluntary or involuntary but essentially air enters yeah air enters and then you know gets expelled and it makes like a farting sound sometimes or it's just like a you know sound anyways it's a queef so we we were so inventive that uh, I would, I would suck air in and she would put her foot up against 
up against me and like shake her foot while I was pushing the air out just to see what kind of sounds we could make. So then I was like, this feels really good with your foot vibrating against me. Let me do you. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) How on earth we were getting away with what we were getting away with. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm completely, it was, uh, it blows my mind how oblivious my parents were. Maybe they weren't. I have no idea. However, uh, a few weeks after us doing this, uh, we went to the county fair. We were in upstate New York at the time and we went to the county fair and um, we won these gigantic stuffed animal things. Well, then we were watching a movie. It was called, uh, I think it was next Friday or something like that. Okay. In the movie, there's a part where the guy's like running away from the party and he jumps over this fence and the fence that he jumps over, there's this man on top of this woman and her legs are straight up in the air and he's just pounding her, pounding her, pounding her. And we'd pause at the part of the movie where the sex scene was coming up and we'd hop onto the faces of our stuffed animals and we would ride our stuffed animal faces together. Wow. We were like 12, 13 years old this I'm like I look back on this and I'm like how did I not know <laughs> that I wasn't straight well, it sounds like there was a lot of sexual exploration like tons at that, she and at I were that great age. friends and <laughs> we were are you still friends today no no okay no. I have okay. no idea where she is okay how interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's the first like really sexual experience thing I can remember I mean uh I, I remember the first time I was ever fingered was in the backseat of my boyfriend's dad's car while his dad was driving me home from Christmas Eve dinner. And then when I was like ready to lose my virginity, uh-huh. I literally said to my best friend, Tommy, tonight is the night I'd like to lose my virginity. Do you happen to have a condom on you? I've never seen a dude get so naked so quick. <laughs> well, you were like straight down and to the point. Very, very, <laughs> very down and to the point. Yeah, I didn't. No beating around the bush, no pun intended. So <laughs> so uh, you said at the beginning of our episode that you identify, was it genderqueer or sexual? What was your sexual orientation? Sexual you orientation is queer. Queer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my question is, are you leaning more towards having sex with women versus men? Or do you have sex with whoever you just click with? Um, usually it's women over men, but I am more... I shouldn't even say that. It's usually non-binary people. Okay. Um, I love genderqueer. That look, that look of genderqueer, that's my absolute favorite. That's what I'm most attracted to. So okay. whether that comes in the form of trans man or a trans woman or somebody who's just completely somewhere on the spectrum, but you know, really it doesn't matter to me. I am typically not attracted to cis men okay but usually it's an energy thing i i i shouldn't say that i'm attracted to a certain kind of energy that usually comes in the form of i would say 90 percent of the time comes in the form of a non-binary individual or somebody who is trans got it got it now you yourself identify as I think you said non-binary and demi-flex. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did, when did you start first, like discovering that for yourself? I would say right after I stepped down from the International Miss Leather title, I met so many people in that year traveling and was just, I was envious of people who were so secure and so sure of their gender identity and their sexual identity. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just... 
I'm so, I'm still fluctuating. I, I still don't know who the hell I am. Here I am as International Miss Leather, <laughs> rocking around the world, not really 100% sure on who I was. And I think it's just because I met so many other people and my mind was opened up to so many other possibilities that I started questioning what it is that I want and what it is that you know, I want to identify as or felt was right. And Well, I think there's something very empowering about that, knowing that you know, there's someone with an, like an international title that is still like open and seeking to grow in those ways. And it just shows like the rest of us, like that it's okay to, yeah. to, be, to change. And yeah, just because something's written down somewhere doesn't mean that you have to be that forever. A book is only a book in that one spot in time. Words are only words for that moment. So I, I really had to come to grips with the fact that just because I've said at one point in my life, I'm pansexual. Or at one point in my life, I was straight and married to a straight man. Doesn't mean that's who I am now. It took a lot of growing for me to come to grips and really accept that it's okay to be different. It's okay to not be the same person today as I was yesterday or that I'm going to be tomorrow. Now, was there any internal struggle with that? You know, like now you're saying, oh, it's okay to be different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I would say that struggle was... uh, was most apparent when I first came into the, to the kinky community mm-hmm. and then leather actually helped guide me into the accepting of it's okay to be this and this. I, I struggled with wanting to be submissive in a moment, but not being submissive forever and not being seen in a certain way, but then pro and wanting to be very toppy or wanting to be a dominant and wanting to be called sir. And just having all these different titles and was that okay and ultimately yeah it is Mm. it's absolutely okay you can be a baby girl in this second and uh, daddy in the next why not yeah wow I I really love how how you say that like you can just it's uh, you're open to identify however you identify and just because you said yesterday I'm this it doesn't mean you have to be like that forever I think that's really mm-hmm. awesome I mean aren't we always asking people to change and evolve anyway so what's wrong with you doing it yourself right yeah I mean I, I mean easier said than done though I can imagine how scary that <laughs> might have been for you yeah. thinking like oh uh I've been telling everybody I'm like this and now mm-hmm. I realize I'm like that or whatever you know I even changed my name in the community to help me better identify as this person that I wanted to be so that I was separate from the submissive that I came into the community as I changed my name. And that's what I needed. That was just my own personal thing. And then my mentors also helped me through that decision. So and if you don't want to, you don't have to share with us what your old name was, but I'm curious, what was it exactly that the name change did for you? Like what sort of properties of the name change were significant to you to make that transition? This is such a cool question because I actually rarely get to talk about this because nobody knows about my previous name unless they knew me back then. And um, so and when I came into the community, I came in as PG, PG was my name. And it stood for photo girl. I was a professional wedding photographer. And when I went to my first munch and everybody said, well, what's your name? But don't tell us your real name. You have to have a scene name. I shit you not, I stood there with my eyes about as big as silver dollars going, what the fuck did I just get myself into? (laughs) 
Um, I didn't read about this on the interwebs. <laughs> uh, okay, C name, C name, C name. Uh, I said, uh, 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 and this guy goes, well, what do you do? What do you do for fun? I said, uh, photography. And he goes, we'll call you photo girl. And I said, that's too long. And this other chick <laughs> says, let's call her PG. Perfect. <laughs> and then it was born. So PG it was, it was cutesy. It was very girly. I had kind of like, I don't know, very submissive yet. I became very masochistic very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, but very girly. And as I started discovering myself, I was more and more uncomfortable in the quote, girly, end quote, persona. And mm -hmm. I, I needed to evolve away from that because it wasn't who I was. So I was, I was not just uncomfortable. I was getting angry and anxious and then was not enjoying the play. So I had a wonderful mentor. Her name was Domina Angelina. She ran this really cool dungeon in San Diego called Dungeon Servitus. And she said, you know, I'd like to shape you and mold you into being this amazing prodom. And um, she's like, you know, you know, would, would mistress such and such be a great name for you? And I shuddered at the word mistress because <laughs> it was so feminine. And she said, well, what, what would you like to be called? And I said, I honestly have no idea. I, I don't think I would ever get a client if I was this woman in these real cool, hot, sexy, tall leather boots and heels and these, you know, guys from the internet wanting to get with this pro-dom or hire a pro-dom and they don't want to call me sir. That's yeah. weird for them. That won't work for them. And she said, it wouldn't, it wouldn't bring on a, a high number of clients. That is for sure. I said, I need something that is less feminine though. And so she's the one that gave me Sarge because I am obsessed with military uniforms. Okay. I love camouflage. I love the very militant, you know, that kind of goes along with the humiliation thing. I like that militant aspect of being a dominant and barking orders, and humiliating the, the recruits. So. And in some ways, it, I mean, it's very reminiscent of you spending time in the military, right? I mean, correct. Yep. So I want to go back to your first name, uh, PG. And I think what's so cool about that story, you know, I'm glad that you like have moved on and evolved from that. But what's really cool is that when you found yourself in the scene, that name was kind of bestowed upon you by the community. Like, yeah. Yeah, they were like, you need a scene name. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, did you feel like, oh, I've been initiated? Like, Yeah, totally. And I was, this is the funniest part. Uh, this is that same night. This was my very first munch ever. I became PG and I was wearing this necklace and it was like this uh, kind of like a metal cutout of a dove. And this gentleman says to me, if you're not, if you're not owned by somebody, don't wear a necklace. Mm. And I went home that night and was like, well, I'm not owned by somebody. I guess I can't, you know, I, I'm thinking that there's these strict rules. So I was never wearing, you know, wouldn't wear a necklace, wouldn't wear a nah. necklace. I mean, like, how would you and know? Cause you, how you would I never, know yeah. again, the interwebs did not inform me. <laughs> Shame on you, Google Shame. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know I need to see name. Couldn't wear a necklace. What's next. Okay. So like all these rules, I learned this night. Right. So I'm thinking the second time I go out to a munch, which I went to a completely opposite side of the County munch then like three nights mm. later here i am rocking in hi i'm pg guess what i did shook the hand of a sub <laughs> so then i learned even more 
are. So <laughs> I'm like, this community is real different. I don't understand anything. Um, you know, but it's making mistakes where you learn, right? This is how you learn things. You have to make the mistakes in order to learn. So first mistake I learned was letting somebody else name me because it shaped me into something that I wasn't going to be. I didn't want to be, but yeah. You know, and then you're, experience. you're moving on from that was like, you know, also kind of your first step into saying like, this isn't me any, anymore. Like, I don't identify yeah, it this way. For sure. Um, now, I do, I'm curious to know, because Sarge, I mean, it comes across to me as, as, a, as more of a, like, if I was going to go to see you as a pro dom and call you Sarge, I feel like you would be the dom, right? So Definitely. when you go into like a masochist side or like a sub side of yourself, do you still like to be referred to as Sarge or do you go by like a different title at that point? Mm, well, let me preface what I'm going to say with, I rarely bottom for people I don't know very well. Okay. I have major trust issues. <laughs> so I rarely bottom for people I don't know very well anymore. In the beginning, I was kind of like wild and crazy, but now I've reeled it back. But okay. Um, so yes, I still like to be referred to as Sarge. However, if it's, you know, depending on the person, I might say, during the scene, could you please call me boy? Okay. And that is the only time that I would release the name Sarge and like go by something else. And just for that, like that scene, it's just for a headspace thing. Yeah. I mean, cause the way you described Sarge was like, I'm um, like humiliating the new recruits. So like, that's <laughs> yeah. like the first thing that comes to my head. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you nailed it. Absolutely. It is. It, it'll, it puts me into a different headspace. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think this, like, you know how some people are pups and they have this name and then they have a pup name. And it's mm -hmm. because it puts them in a headspace. Like I have a pony. I'm also a pony. So Estrella is my pony's name. And so if Estrella is being said to me, I am almost immediately in pony space. So I, I know that that name is for that persona and that headspace. And so it helps. Okay. Well, you know, we need to dig into more of these kinks of yours, but I do <laughs> like, I want to, we'll come, we'll, we'll circle we'll back. We'll come back. Because... <laughs> yeah, we'll circle back. Because <laughs> uh, we had, uh, we had a few pups on the show and then somebody told me about there being lizards and then someone came on and they were a, a, a leopard and then we had a hyena recently. So I've, oh, I I've come to understand that the whole animal kingdom is up for being in in the kinky world <laughs> I, i'm interested in finding more about that but definitely um, i do want to know your first kink experience really was was that porn yeah i mean that was my first kind of like eye-opening like this is what's turning me on i i mean physically my first kink experience was uh bastonado which is beating of the feet oh okay let's talk about that i've never heard of this before oh uh, so <laughs> So remember how I said my mom knew that I was kinky before I did? When uh -huh. I asked her a couple of years later, why did you say that? Her response was, you used to take your sandals off and beat your feet like they were going out, like you were cleaning uh -huh. off the bottom of your shoes on your feet. And oh, I thought, interesting. very interesting, because when I first came into the scene, the first person that I got involved with as a play partner was very much a foot fetishist and he loved to beat my feet and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I could orgasm from it. Wow. It was very intense. 
Well, what is kinky about it besides, I mean, like, is it the impact or is it like a psychological kind of connection? Like what, what's going on there? Uh, for me, it's not so much psychological. It's definitely physical. I mean, there are so many nerve endings at the bottom of your feet. And um, I like thud. I like sting. I love high voltage electricity, <laughs> like a lot. That's probably number two. Humiliation, okay. number one. Electricity, number two. So electricity on the bottom of my feet is is instantly a full body orgasm. You know, now that you say that, uh, there's lots of nerve, end- I think we have the most nerves, right? Like in the bottoms of our feet. I believe so, yeah. I don't know why I didn't think about that. I mean, that's why I like to stick things in my urethra because there's so many nerves, like, <laughs> you know? It's like, why did I think of doing stuff to my feet? Well, now you might have me exploring something new, Sarge, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was your uh, well I guess you've already talked about what was your first leather experience like you walked into that bar and you got that name PG yeah, yeah. was that your first time at like a leather space or a kink space it was my first time at a kink space yeah and actually it was uh, just a regular old restaurant just a you know kinky wow. munch we were all dressed in very vanilla clothing you walked in and you had to say you were there for the computer group that is very cool very cool. You, yeah, I actually really liked that part. I was like, hee hee hee, secret society. Uh, that is kind of cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's like prohibition style. Like, what's the password? Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it made it very, I, I don't know, just more exciting for me. And, yeah. How yeah. cool. So it, it seems like maybe kink came first and then leather came after. Is that correct? Would that be accurate? Okay. Yes. So, I mean, you have a couple titles here. So let's talk about your first title. Uh, is it Miss San Diego 2014, was it? Yes, Miss San Diego Leather 2014. Okay. Yep. So how long had you been in the community at that point before you ran? I came into the community in 2009. And that was like, I wouldn't say leather community. I, w- I just came into the kink community, okay. um, BDSM in general. And then, you know, the... Cl- Club X in San Diego is, I would say it's largely a leather club, but just, okay. or it was largely a leather club and has just evolved more into, you know, all encompassing BDSM. But most of the people on the board were leather, you know, most of the people running the events were leather. So there was a lot of crossover between just the Kingsters and this leather group that was very inspiring to me. I was like, oh, you guys run the show. You're so organized. <laughs> What's going on with all of this? And what what is all this yummy smells? <laughs> I smell I smell lots of leather. Um, I, it's a big fetish of mine. I mean, I'm a you know I'm a motorcyclist and love leather in general. So it was a big turn on. Just and and then of, the, of course the pins. I, I'm also a big Disney goer. So this pin trading business. Uh, <laughs> I was going to mention the first time (laughs) when I messaged you, I said, hi, I'm Brandon. And you said, do you need pins? I was like, oh, uh, no. (laughs) Because now I make pins for people. So I I was thinking that that's why you were contacting me. It's typically why people contact me now. And (laughs) so um, I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. The pins, (laughs) the pins were a big, like, what is this about? So. 
I didn't really learn about leather titles until 2012. And then I met my first international title holder in 2013. I was at Folsom Fringe, which is like the weekend event. It was actually my first leather uh, conference and it leads into Folsom. And I met International Miss Leather 2013 Syrah. And um, there's amazing stories from that weekend. That's the weekend that the gangbang girls were born. And uh, <laughs> so we, we really we really opened up our eyes to a lot of the leather community that weekend and um, mm. had a really good time. So I, at that point, I mean, what did you see in the leather community that was, I mean, inspiring to you? Cause you had already been in like the kink world for a while now. Yeah. I, I liked the idea of the family aspect where I felt, I felt that kinksters were friends and leather folk were family and I wanted a family. So I delved into the leather as quickly as I could. And did you find family? Yeah. And I have a wonderful and absolutely gorgeous leather family that we've created. We call the, ourselves the House of Andor. And okay. we were born in Memorial Day weekend of 2014. Oh my gosh, they're going to kill me if I am incorrect <laughs> on that date. Um, but uh, yeah, we're you know, we've had members come and go and, and there's still pretty, you know, core group of us that we literally talk every single day and they are my family. I mean, uh, my ride or die. What are some core values of house of what is Andor? House of Andor. House yeah. of Andor. I mean, our, our biggest core value is integrity. And I think that that word gets thrown around a lot in the community and I'm saying the community, and I'm going to do these quotes because there's communities upon communities within communities and sub-communities and all that. But um, I'll just say in the general leather community, integrity is really big for people, right? And yet we see so many instances where it's not a value that's upheld. And I would say even with the differences within everybody in my leather family, the one thing that we have really stuck to is that we are open and honest with each other about everything and we keep each other informed. We can lean on each other. And when it comes to learning things, we're always learning and sharing and sharing and learning and learning and sharing. And that is so huge, you know, so nobody ever feels left out. And I really yeah. love that. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up that word integrity. Mistress, I don't know if you know, Mistress Melissa. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's yeah, she's amazing. Bitch. Oh, fuck. But she's the she... only person in the world I would let blow smoke in my face, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case she ever hears that. <laughs> I hate smoke, but when she smokes, she makes it look real hot. <laughs> <laughs> she was chain smoking during our interview. You could hear her oh. breathing her smoke. Uh, but one thing that I she says it. that really stuck with me was... Okay, yeah, integrity, but what does that mean in real world application? Like yeah. we can say integrity, we can say respect, we can say, you know, all of the stuff, but what does it look like in real world application? And I think that's like really, really telling because like you said, like leathers, I mean, for you and for a lot of people, including myself, I, I feel like can be family, mm -hmm. you know, and family is 
not quick to, I mean, at least if the, the family that I grew up with is not quick to drop you right. for, for any little reason we learned to grow. And, and I think like having that open and honesty with each other is a huge thing that you, you mentioned. But where, where did the, the name come from, Andor? <laughs> it was so, it's a really silly story, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> the house of Andor was named because we were at an event called Potrero War in East San Diego. It's a Society for Creative Anachronism event. Do you know what the SCA is? It's a like medieval renaissance weekend where you are you are in garb the whole weekend like you live it breathe it eat it play it (laughs) you're there tents only like old school tents right anyways (laughs) I was not a camper um, at the time and so instead of going for the full weekend we decided to go by we I mean the first four core members of of Andor we were all very good friends So we, the four of us, decided to go for the day together. And one of the four core members had been many, many times to Petrero War and was trying to convince us that, look, we could have our own house area. See, they have the house of whatever over there. And this is the house of whatever over there. And that's the house of whatever. And I was like, ooh, but they're archers and they're swordsmen and they're this and they're that, but we want to be this and or that. And so Danielle, who is the other one, she's like, and we're gay and or straight and we're this and or that. And all of a sudden it was, we are the house of Andor. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to have to choose. <laughs> Why do we have to pick just one thing? We want all the things. I love that. <laughs> Wow. Silly. I know. Silly. <laughs> I mean, as silly as that is, I mean, it really does. I like, I feel like I identify with your story, though, you know? <laughs> it is so silly. So, you know, in, in the beginning, it was, we kind of presented as a house of a bunch of straight couples, but none of us were straight. Um, so, we got people to really open up their eyes because when they would ask the house of Andor, what does that even mean? And then they're like looking at what looked to be a bunch of straight people. And then we're like, Oh no, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> looks can be deceiving. Ha ha ha. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> come inside. <laughs> that is so awesome so. though. So what does your household look like right now? The house of Andor is comprised of myself um, a lovely couple in San Diego whose names are Heather and Travis and another woman in San Diego whose name is Narissa. And then we have Rob, who's also in San Diego. And there are Duke and Gogo who are in Las Vegas and Danielle, who's in LA, um, D money. She also, she's a boot black in the LA area. And um, let's see, then there's Lewis, who is, I think he's in the Orange County, LA area. And then Sabrina, who's in Orange County as well. And then I think our most recent, I believe, is Annette. And Annette is in San Diego. And I'm forgetting somebody. You have a big family. It's a big family. That is so awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And we're all, you know, different, you know, everybody else, we're all kind of poly and we're all kind of polysexual together when we're all together. And that's very fun. Um, 
and the original gangbang girl group were were all kind of from the house of andor as well except for sarah so okay. that's kind of cool so we have lots of gbg reunions is what we call it <laughs> <laughs> the, so. the gangbang girls oh my gosh yeah all so, right cool so yeah we <laughs> The Gangbang Girls was started because we all wanted to have sex with each other and we weren't really sure what the best way to do it was. And I'm really, really uncomfortable with not comedic sex. Like there has to be either humiliation or comedy involved for me to really enjoy it. And so, um, <laughs> so I was like, we should just all strap on and fuck each other. <laughs> Silence. And then negotiations and then it happened ask for what you want i just can't help but (laughs) ask for what you want because if you don't ask you're never gonna get it and that was my very first lesson in learning because i wanted to have sex with all of those women in that room that night (laughs) and i got to (laughs) i can't help but think in my head uh, and thus the powerpuff girls were boring yes exactly (laughs) that is exactly correct that is exactly correct. Oh my gosh. What one of my one of my most favorite stories, and I usually tell this uh at a body body storytelling, is that while the gangbang girls were born, we had invited Sarah, International Miss Leather 2015 to, or 2013 to come and join us. And we didn't think she was gonna show up. So we're all fucking each other. We're all having a great time. And then all of a sudden she shows up, but Narissa had gotten up and taken a shower because she had just been fucked. So we're a fucking Sarah. Narissa comes back out. She has no idea who's on the floor. She just gets right back in it. <laughs> so she's she's like elbow deep in Syrah. And she goes, who is this? Like, <laughs> like fisting her galore and then points down like, who is this? So I lifted up Syrah's vest and I turn it. I show her. <laughs> International Miss Leather 2013. And she's like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my this is the funniest thing ever oh my gosh. <laughs> i could only imagine <laughs> so thus the gangbang girls were born that weekend and we have done many takedown scenes our thing was if you wanted to join the gangbang girls you sent us a message and then we negotiated kind of offline you know as much as we possibly could and then you never knew when it was going to happen but we were going to take you down and make a big scene of it How cool. it was always a blast it was very cool. And then they got like a number. What, who, you know, what number they were banged in. It was pretty cute. <laughs> I can see where your um, initiating new recruits comes into yes, play Yes, <laughs> see? So, yep, they're full circle. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, you went on to win um, International, International Miss Leather. Is that right? Correct. 2015? Correct, yep. Okay, so what was that journey like? And what made you... What made you decide to run for a title in the first place? Uh, it was after meeting Sarah, actually. I saw her traveling around and, you know, her message was that leather is everywhere. So she went to small towns all over the United States. And so I, I saw that and I thought, you know, that's super cool. She was on a really tight budget and I really wanted to do that, but on a larger budget. So I started putting aside money and thinking of ways to fundraise and really wanted to do it on a grander worldwide stage or worldwide scale and try to get to every continent that leather was on. Mm. That was my goal. And 
So I thought, well, I've got to run for a local title. So I get some experience. And I had decided whether or not I was going to win, whether or not I won San Diego, I was running for IMSL. I was like, I just, I got to do it. I've got to try it. But I won San Diego. And then the preparations for IMSL started the next day. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not even joking. Like that was... I, I sat down at like this, you know, the, the, a bar in San Diego called um, number one or one, number one on fifth. And um, the new title holders all sit together, Mr. Miz and Boot Black. And we all sit together and the community asks, you know, what are your goals and aspirations for your title year? And blah, blah, blah. And I get the microphone. And I was like, I'm going to bring back the international Miss Leather title. Uh, yeah, I was just so matter of fact about it. <laughs> they were like, you're fucking nuts. <laughs> I had some lofty goals <laughs> and uh, I accomplished all of them. Uh, I brought home the title um, despite uh, some, some people really not wanting that to happen. I think that I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way with how ambitious I was with, mm-hmm. you know, with this new guard of uh, leather that I was living. And, um, you know, I make my own protocols. That's who I am. That's what I do. I break rules. I'm a fucking rebel. And um, no, I'm not going to come to you and kiss your boots prior to me wanting to run for a title. I don't want your fucking permission. I'm going to do what I want to do. And (laughs) that really rubs some people the wrong way. There's some very old guard people in San Diego that did not like that and uh, really tried to tear me down. And so that just uh, gave me the ambition and the the motive to keep going really yeah keep going and do what i needed to do to bring that title home i mean i've just come to the conclusion at this point that if you don't ruffle a few feathers i mean you're not are doing you, something right you're not, <laughs> are you doing anything <laughs> you're absolutely right <laughs> you are 100 percent correct <laughs> but um but yeah it's it, it's just so interesting i mean uh even even in the midst of of pandemic when we're all stuck at home there's still some somebody that you'll rub the wrong way and i'm like well sorry like i'm just doing my oh, thing oh absolutely <laughs> I, I i used to i used to really get upset by it and was always trying to right a a wrong that i had done and now i look at facebook or tiktok or instagram or whatever it is or my emails and i'm like if i haven't pissed somebody off today i have not lived a good day come on (laughs) I am not trying hard enough because if you're doing a lot if you're really working hard if you're pissing off one person you're making a hundred others happy yeah and those hundred other people are not going to speak up because you're just Mm -hmm. doing the job but there's that one percent of people that are going to speak up on the negative side and so you've got to account for that one to 100 ratio that's how I view it that's what keeps me going so what, what were some of the other goals that you had as International Miss Leather? You talked about going to every continent. You talked about like bringing back the, the whole title. I mean, what, what were some other accomplishments that you made? So one of my biggest, my biggest goals was to travel over 100,000 miles. So I held the title for, f- I think, 51 weekends is my, my official 51 weekends. And I was gone 48 of those 51. Oh my God. I taught over 100 classes. I attended 67 events. I went to Australia, Europe, 
Africa, obviously North America. I did not get to South America. I was very sad about that. And I had plans to go to somewhere in Japan. That was just like, I wanted to go somewhere in Japan. And something was happening politically at the time where it was not safe. And it was actually... Mm -hmm. Something happened in Japan and something happened in Paris, which is, I was in Germany and I was supposed to go into Paris. Something had happened and I cannot remember what those two things were. That's terrible of me, but stopped mm -hmm. me from traveling. So those two trips got canceled okay. and rerouted, but I, I, I went quite a few places. So you're sort of like an evangelist for the leather world. Oh Lord. Don't say that. No, no, <laughs> not you know in the I least. Mean. But, uh, I would say a weary world. traveler. <laughs> I, I learned the art of uh, of uh, fitting exactly the right amount of weight into a bag with gifts for where I was going and enough space to bring stuff home. It sounds like you had a blast. More fun than you could ever possibly imagine. <laughs> God, I had a good time. Yeah. Was... Out of that that whole journey, is there a single moment or memory that just sticks with you to this day that you'll just never forget? I mean. Oh, my gosh. Um, my sash wife, Tabitha, who was International Miss Boot Black 2015, she and I and her master flew into Sydney together for Mardi Gras. And as we were flying in, I mean, we had been on a plane from Los Angeles for like 16 hours-ish or something like that at this point. We were exhausted. We slept a little bit. We played cards. I mean, we talked. And then all of a sudden, it was time to fly into Sydney. And we could feel the plane starting to descend. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're here. And I started get, getting really nervous. Mm -hmm. I love flying. I'm not nervous about landing anywhere. There's nothing about flying into a city that makes me nervous or whatever, but I was nervous because I was afraid I would never want to leave. Mm -hmm. And we got to Sydney and everything we did in Sydney made me cry. Everything. And we were together for a week in Sydney through Mardi Gras. And then after Sydney and after Mardi Gras, I stayed in Australia for another week and I went down to Melbourne. And then not flying into Melbourne, but walking around Melbourne in the art district. I have never in my life, nowhere in the world, no travel, no nothing has ever had more of an impact on me than seeing the amazing artwork in the alleys of Melbourne. I don't know why or what it was. I'm going to cry right now just thinking about it. I felt more home in that moment than any other time in my life. Wow. It was I mean, and, and I have leather to thank for that. And so I'm so grateful for that opportunity to have found my home. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so powerful that I think about it. Had you not found leather and taken this journey and made all of this happen, you may have never experienced that moment for yourself. Yeah. And what's really cool is that it wasn't like, you know, oh, I was at the top of the Eiffel Tower. It, it was the smallest moment that you'll always remember. Yeah. I think that's so amazing. Yeah. You asked me about what my other goals were, and I really don't want to leave out something that um, had a profound impact on me. And it wasn't my mission going into the title, but it became my mission. And that was, um, there was a lot of suicide happening in our community mm -hmm. in 2015, a lot, a lot of pups, uh, a lot of gay men, 
And um, I had a conversation with the gentleman at IML only to find out six hours later, he had gone home and committed suicide. And I thought we were just talking. We just had this conversation Mm -hmm. and a group was created by this woman in the Seattle area on Facebook called you are not alone. And a lot of us joined the group to, you know, be there for other people. And I thought, you know, when I'm going through things, the last thing I'm going to do is open up my phone. That's the last thing I'm going to do. I can't even think to open up my phone. I can't think to call somebody in the military. We wore dog tags and sometimes on our dog tags, there were something else that would remind us of something, you know? So I created the, you are not alone campaign as a spinoff to the Facebook group and they were dog tags. And so I brought these dog tags all over the world. And in in the beginning, I made them out of leather so that I could literally rub my energy into them. Mm -hmm give them to people. People wore them around their neck as keychains, whatever. But the mission of the campaign was that if you saw somebody wearing that dog tag, they were somebody that you could talk to in a time of need so that we could reduce the stigma about talking about mental health and in turn reduce suicide rates in our community. And uh, those dog tags are all over the world. And I guess, I guess I, I would say that's my legacy. That's the legacy I left behind is that I still see people wearing them. You know, I eventually went from the leather tags to metal ones and then from the metal tags to pins. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really cool to see. And I still, I still get messages <clears throat> from people who are like, you know, I was having a really rough day and I almost took my own life. And then I saw that tag and I was reminded that not only are you there for me, but other people are there for me too. And I'm not alone in this. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty cool. That is really awesome. I'm so emotional tonight. I think I need my shot. <laughs> I, started, <laughs> I started microdosing tea and I can tell when it's time for my shot. Mm. Um, I was like, it's so emotional. <laughs> I love it though. It's very, very raw. And I think that a lot of People need to hear like these real discussions like leather. This is what I love about leather is that it, it goes beyond sex and it goes beyond kink. And a lot of times it's those small moments like you in the alleys looking at the artwork or just seeing somebody with a dog tag and knowing that you can talk to them. Sometimes it's those things that just make it so special, you know, definitely. I, I also want to say that we shouldn't forget about the sex, though. That's why we came <laughs> into this community. <laughs> All the other things are great. You know, I I mean, as a title holder there, we do so much for so many different organizations or for that production or for whatever. And I think that we forget that the entire reason that we came in here into this community is because we are kinky fuckers and not just kinky fuckers. We're kinky rebellious fuckers. And I, 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 cannot even tell you how many times I've heard people shaming title holders for fucking their way through their title year. And I'm like, God damn, I wish yeah. I would have fucking done that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. What, one thing that I did hear from, uh, well, I get, he'll remain la- nameless because I don't know if he wants me to speak out his name, but he, he will always say like, let's not forget this is also about sex too. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, when, when you walk into, it's great that we have like the charity events and everything and that we're raising money for good causes. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you're here in leather because you're a kinky mm-hmm. fucker. Like, yeah. Um, but before we get to more kinks, I have one more question for you. <laughs> yeah, ask away. <laughs> um, what is the Three Hearts Creations? 
Oh, that is my leather business. So I, I'm a crafter, creator of leather goods mm-hmm. and three hearts. Uh, my primal animal is a octopus. So okay. you were talking about leopards and things. My primal is an octopus. So I had to do a spinoff of the octopuses have three hearts. So I named the business Three Hearts Leather just to showcase that I'm multifaceted. You know, an octopus mm-hmm. is very multifaceted. So I am also a multifaceted person. I don't just do one thing. I like to dabble in lots of different things and sometimes eight different things at one time. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. That's really awesome. Do you have a website that we can like go and too. So, shop yeah. online? <laughs> well, y- yes. Uh, so here's the thing. The pandemic really put a damper on things because obviously what I do is uh, very event <laughs> driven and there aren't any events. So I have had to step back and I actually took a job um, outside of the workshop, as I like to say, (laughs) anything that's not in the workshop is outside of the workshop. So I took a job outside of the workshop, which is really outside of the workshop. I am driving 18 wheelers all over the United States, delivering medical supplies and food and all sorts of things to keep people safe during the pandemic. That's really awesome. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good job for you, though. Like, I mean, for someone who likes to travel as much as you do and yeah. make a difference in some ways, like this is, yeah, it's you know, cool. right down that alley. Definitely. Um, but yes, I do have a website, Three Hearts Creations, the number three, heartscreations.com. Okay. Um, but you'll see if you click on shop, it says, hey, we're under construction. And really just because I pulled everything back because I'm not home to create. Yeah, I'm home three days every month. So when I'm home, I'm like, this is my three days home. I've got nine back patches to work on. I've got a belt to finish, I, like a title belt to finish. I have a couple of lanyards. It's like, I'm just like cranking stuff out. So <laughs> that's really awesome. Okay. So let's get to sex. Are okay. you ready? Yes. I've been ready. <laughs> that's the whole point of this leather tag is the sex. Come on now. So let's talk about this primal animal of yours, the octopus. Is this, uh, like, uh, describe it to us. What is it? (laughs) Okay, so I said earlier that I was always fluctuating and evolving. Uh And so is an octopus. I don't know if you've seen videos of octopi. Uh, It's actually octopuses, but people always be like, isn't it octopi? No, it's technically octopuses, (laughs) but you'll see them kind of floating through the water and they go from like this big gigantic, almost like a floral arrangement across the seafloor. And then all of a sudden they're this tiny, like little torpedo and they stretch out and they zoom away and then they change color. And okay. So this is, this is me when it comes to sex, that is also me. Sometimes I like to spread all out and be all over all of the things. Sometimes okay. I like to engulf the human with my being and damn near suffocate them because I also love breath play. Okay. Sometimes my tentacles will fill all the holes. I don't know. What, yeah, I just, it just, I like, I'm like lots of different things and I'm very exploratory. I'm very curious like an octopus. So um, it also highly depends on the person. Okay, cool. Well, I feel like we could talk about kinks for another a whole other like hour and a half. So let's <laughs> let's like okay, what are your top? Uh, we we said breath play. What are what are your like your top three go to kinks? Like if you were to I don't know have a fantasy night out. Okay. Oh Lord. How 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do This is always <laughs> a hard a question noise. for someone. They're yeah, always like, just three, it. just two. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Let's do this. I, I would like to say what my next fantasy would be. How's that? Ooh, okay, I like that. Okay, my next fantasy would start off with a with me I'm I would be the top I am full body whipping my human this human then transforms into like like metamorphosis style like transforms into this caterpillar on the floor this caterpillar then gets stomped and I have now turned this beautiful caterpillar into tenderized meat at which point I would then pull out my blades and I would do a cutting scene with beautiful scarification. That is what my next scene fantasizes. That's what I'm fantasizing is my next scene. Wow. Who's available? <laughs> Watch out when we get those COVID-19 vaccines. Sarge <laughs> is coming for you. I love it. <laughs> Wow. That's really cool. Okay. So we've covered a lot there. The scarification. How did you get into scarification? Oh my. Um, <laughs> I had a very willing bottom who allowed me to freehand a lotus flower on her leg and she liked it and said, would you like to do something extremely intricate? And I said, absolutely. I fucking love a good challenge. That turned into what is now has now come up on the FetLife Kinky and Popular probably three or four times. And so there's like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of comments and likes or loves or whatever they call it. But it's the flower of life, which is that geometric, the overlapping geometric circles that engulf her lotus flower on her leg. And I swear, I think it's like maybe 12 or 13 inches tall. And wow. all of those little tiny little cuts. Oh my God, I loved the intricacy of it. So that's really, she was my catalyst to really get into it. I mean, I had done tiny stuff and practices and you know, all that kind of here and there before that. But she helped me to gain the notoriety to do more. So I've done, I've done a lot of cutting since then. That is so awesome. Wow. And even some just people are like, I don't know if I want this to be forever, forever. And I'm like, well, I can't really be the judge of that. That's up to your body. But um, <laughs> I can go really light and just kind of scratch you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> are there any kinks that you've gone into over the years that you never thought you would? Yeah. I, I actually, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised at how I evolved. Like, I never thought that I would ever let anybody ever in my whole entire life slapped my face I really honestly I just thought that was just like absolutely absurd <laughs> Who cares? what goes really well with humiliation a good face slap you never knew uh I mean that's kind of a silly one I guess I I also didn't ever think that I would let somebody brand me or cut me or do scarification on me but I have actually used it for like there's maybe I was going through something really rough in a relationship or whatever. And I would ask my mentors or these women that I would be mentoring with or whatever. I'd say, okay, this is the design. Like they, we had this night where I had this huge design picked out for my, just above my knee on my thigh and I had it all color coded. Okay. You're going to do this line. And then you're going to do this line again, total control freak. Right. 
but <laughs> I did submit to the moment and allowed things like we had to do a little change up. And I was just like, you know what? It is what it is. Okay, go for it. And then they cut me up and it was beautiful. And I still, I still have this gorgeous, beautiful scar on my leg. It's like a butterfly type thing. It's really oh, cool. cool. Yeah. It's a good reminder of growth. Wow. So yeah. yeah. It seems that, that that's sort of like your, your, what is that called? Like your, like your life motto or something is just growth, openness to Absolutely. growth. Yeah. Like, always, always wanting to learn. I love learning. I love, I mean, you can't grow without learning things. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about one of your most memorable kink experiences? <laughs> I mean, before I said comedy, right? Like I like a good comedy routine. Um, so I like to, I like to remind people that BDSM is not always so serious. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. And one of the best scenes that I've ever had started off at a play party called May the 4th Be With You. It was on May the 4th and it was a Star Wars themed play party. And okay. me as Boba Fett and Danielle, my leather sister, as uh, a stormtrooper grabbed dragon tails. So we had our helmets on. You can't fucking see with these stupid helmets on. So <laughs> good thing our faces were covered because we just were like, we need about, I don't know, too much space. So if we can get that, that'd be great. We start whipping and she lands this hit across my stomach that sent me into a fiery rage of inferno. And I oh my threw God. my helmet off, threw it down on the ground. I threw the whip on the ground and I just fucking tackled her to the ground and I would not get up. She was... <laughs> We were like wrestling on the floor. It went from hilarious to I was then pissed. But then I was like, this was too funny to let it stop at this point. And it was <laughs> everybody stopped. Everybody was watching. And I <laughs> would not let her up. She's like, I think she's like 5'10". I'm five feet tall. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like an angry little gnome in that moment. And it was so <laughs> fucking funny and she couldn't get up and I don't know how I was able to distribute my weight just right on her to like not let her get up from this tackle hold that I had her in but I'll tell you what I would never fuck with her again because she started going to MMA classes and like became a fucking wrestler <laughs> I was like I got my one win in we're never fighting again love you so much sis Kay <laughs> I, I, I'm just imagining right now, like a stormtrooper being held to the floor. Like. Uh, yeah, right. I was, just, I pinned that bitch down. I was like, mm -mm, you are not coming up. And I had a welt on my, across my ribs that was probably eight inches long. Oh my God. It was like a blood blister welt too. It was nasty and it hurt for weeks. Oh, oh, man. It was a wonderful reminder of the amazing time. It was just so great. It was so funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you King's Gone Wrong, but that sounds like a pretty good a, King's Gone Wrong yeah, story. Yeah, that was totally <laughs> King's Gone Wrong. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I Another good King's Gone Wrong was uh, I had a guy who was like, I would love you to put needles under my nails. Never done that before. Um, <gasps> Wait a second. Like his fingernails? Yes. Oh, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I was so 100% on board. It was ridiculous. Um I was like, yeah, <laughs> anything oh to God. do with needles, I'm totally in. So yeah, here I am putting like these needles underneath his fingernails. And I have this gorgeous picture of like, you know, the, I, I did um, 
I think they were 25 gauges. So they weren't huge, but they were good size. And so, you know, they were pretty colored and this picture of him, like anything going underneath your nails is so sensitive. Right. I can't even imagine. I, I wouldn't want it under mine. That'd be a, that'd be a limit for me. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) You've been wrong before. That's correct. You are absolutely correct. I have been wrong before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm trying to think of another really good. So, okay. Danielle and I have so many wonderful scenes and usually we don't play together. Like that one Stormtrooper versus Boba Fett was kind of a random one-off. Usually we co-top together. This one time, so I don't know if you've ever heard of Desire. It is like summer camp for super fucking kinky leather women. Holy shit. It is, it is not for the, it's it's hardcore. There's a lot of shit that happens. It's really hardcore. So this one, this one Desire, um, this lovely woman who I used to call my kink mama from, um, the Orange County area, she brings this, uh, Folsom electric, like unit she throws these needles in between my thighs and around my cunts and she's cranking up the electricity and I am screaming and crying screaming and I'm screaming in so much pain and agony and I love every second of it that Danielle starts crying on my behalf (laughs) so now now it becomes a scene for her I I thought it was just too good to stop (laughs) She actually left the room. She left oh the room. She couldn't take how much pain I was in. I love her. <laughs> but I think that she, she'd never seen me go through that much. And like, I yeah. really pushed my limits with that scene. It was pretty epic. At Bridge was freaking phenomenal. She just like totally pushed my limits. It was great. Anything electricity, yeah. like I said. So she knocked it out of the park. It was phenomenal. And Danielle couldn't handle it. And I think that that was like the funniest uh, moment just like watching her tears rolling down her face and she's like I, she's not even I, the I, one I going through it. yeah <laughs> she just turned around and walked out I can't I can't I can't do it I can't do it <laughs> I love that I love that no it's just so funny because like some people just witnessing or even thinking about certain kinks I remember mentioning to my partner that I was I was trying urethral sounding and he was like oh oh ooh. <laughs> like, like I can't even imagine like, right <laughs> oh gosh but you know it also goes along the lines of like you know if you can't handle it look away right yeah if you can't handle it look away i'm always i'm like i want to talk about something controversial but at the same time you know time and place i guess but is this a good time and place to talk about uniform fetishes can we talk about that for a second uh if it applies to your story directly then sure let's talk about it okay so obviously with what's been going on and cops in general, like it's, there's been a lot of talk about how uniform fetishes are going to be banned mm-hmm. in our community. And I, I keep thinking, where do we draw the line on yucking somebody's yum? You know what I mean? Okay. My most difficult interview question when I ran for IMSL was given to me by, by Midori. And she said, I noticed that your your auction table is very themed military themed that's a huge trigger for some people some people find that the military represents nothing but violence and death so how how do you feel knowing that your fetish is somebody else's hard limit 
And the only thing I could muster to answer other than don't yuck my yum was what I do for myself is for me and me only. And if you or somebody else doesn't like it, you don't have to participate and you don't have to look there. You have the option to look away. So at what point do we say that this is too much for you or this is too much for that person or this is too much for that person so this is not allowed anymore when we are nothing but a bunch of rebels breaking rules constantly you know pushing limits breaking boundaries so where do we draw the line i just wanted to put that question out there like because i do i do repress my military paraphernalia my fetish for uniforms quite a bit and and i wonder if i actually have to like nobody's ever said to you know yeah, you can't wear that. But I try to be as respectful as possible. And at the same time, where, where do I draw the line? You know what I mean? I think it's, yeah, I, I think um, it's a question that some people have been asking themselves. I, I actually didn't even hear about that until uh, this last year, yeah. to be honest. And how long would you say that you have been, have that in the back of your mind ever since that question? Yeah. That was the first time I'd ever, it ever been posed in that way to me. And then with the Black Lives Matter movement, now it became a, oh, well, we, we can't be friends with him. <laughs> he dresses like a cop. I'm like, what? He's the same person. He dresses like a cop. He is not a cop. He dresses like a cop. That is his fetish. A policeman's uniform is his fetish. We can't be friends with him. We have to tell him to repress his fetish of his police uniforms it's hard it's an interesting question and i don't know if i can speak to it really but it's an interesting question that you raise and i think a lot of people are pondering that as we speak i also don't want i i, I don't want anybody to think that i don't respect anyone else's opinions i absolutely do i respect everyone's opinions i just want the conversation i want the conversation to be had in a respectful manner Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think that I, I'd like to pose the question in hopes that it brings up a, it's a topic of conversation that can be had respectfully. So you, what you, what you're calling for is, is a productive discussion over this. Absolutely. I see. Awesome. Well, if, if, uh, if I may ask another contra, you know, maybe controversial, uh, question. What? No. Is- I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding yeah go ahead <laughs> and I you know I I kind of made it a point to and maybe this is tokenistic and I really don't mean it to be but I just I I want to ask this question when I get the opportunity to is you know I've I've found over this last year speaking with women that you know they may or may not have such a sweet experience being you know welcomed or not within the leather community especially when coming into you know quote-unquote male spaces what, what is your experience with that? Mm. You know, it's interesting because my experience coming into leather was so pansexual mm-hmm. and that I was just, I, I felt very accepted from all genders, from all sexualities okay. immediately. The first time I walked into an Eagle was the San Diego Eagle. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty divey. It's small, you know, mm-hmm. low ceiling, small, very dark. Um, I, I felt that I was more accepted there than by some of the women in the leather community 
but I honestly, I, I feel like, you know, maybe that's just my experience. Maybe that's, you know, San Diego in general is very diverse and also very multifaceted. So, and it's, yes, it's a big city, but it's a small community. Okay. So there isn't really room for people to exclude other people other people yeah like we have to lean on each other okay that's that's really interesting so in your experience being welcomed in at least initially you you didn't have any like negative pushback or anything like that no no not not from a group in particular no from a couple of individuals but (laughs) not from one group (laughs) who shall remain nameless as they do always Well, well, great. You know, that's interesting to know. Um, well, before we go, is there anything else that we should know about you that we haven't spoken about already? Oh, gosh. Mm. Um, okay. <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity to have another coming out moment. How's that? Sure. Absolutely. I am non-binary. My preferred pronouns are they, them. And I am legally changing my name to a more non-binary name. Wow. How cool is that? Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Another step in your growth. Yeah. And I think it's so awesome. And I'm honored that you're choosing to voice this right now here on the podcast. Um, So what led you down this journey of this kind of self-discovery for yourself? Um, Too many abusive relationships holding me back and really the, the self-discovery always seemed to be like this butterfly moment after, mm-hmm. you know, being so injured and really coming out of this cocoon and saying, you know what, this is, this is who I am for fuck's sake. Why, why am I holding it back? What am I so afraid of? Mm-hmm. There is no reason for me to be in pain and not be myself if I can be myself and going to be in pain anyways, fuck it. (laughs) Just be myself. Mm -hmm. You know, if people are going to hurt me or if people are going to try to tear me down, why am I going to not be authentic? And why, why am I going to hold back my true authenticity Mm -hmm. and not just be who I really want to be? That's really awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And I think that's really incredible for those who are listening right now and questioning themselves and maybe are a little bit lost in their journey of how they want to identify or where they are in their own personal journey, what would be your message to those people? Oh, I'm a big researcher. <laughs> I um, read a lot of, of other people's journeys, read about other people's journeys a lot, or I listen to other podcasts about people's journeys. And so I try to pick up things that are familiar to me. And I am constantly reminding myself that I am not alone on this journey and that I'm not going to be the first one to go through this, you know, and I'm definitely not going to be the last. And all of my experiences, whether good or bad, have led to who I am today. And sure, I had a shitty childhood. Sure, I've had a couple of bad relationships. Do I regret any of them? 100% not. Mm -hmm. Nope, not at all. Because they have shaped me and molded me into this amazing human being that I am today. And that I'm able to sit here and talk to you about things without, without shying away from them. You know, I mean, I used to not even be able to mention the word rape, you know, the, the amount of 
security that I have in myself now is, is it's amazing to me actually. Um, so I'm so grateful that I'm able to discover who I am. And so I really encourage other people to not hold back. Is it, you know, or figure out what it is that is holding you back and really dive into that. You know, is it your family? Well, do you know that they're going to reject you and what kind of reject is it? You know, is it, they're going to kick you out of the house. Okay. So have a backup plan, you know, have somewhere to go. And if you don't, then maybe, you know, work on other things about yourself so that when you're ready to come out or ready to take the next step in your own self-discovery, you've got a plan for yourself. But my independence has become the most important thing to me. And my independence has led me to me being me. That's really awesome. Well, thank you for sharing those words. Um, before we go, how can we reach out to you? How can we get connected? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 40. So uh, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say smoke signals or something. Yeah, smoke signals. Uh, send me an SOS. And I don't mean the bell out bad. I'm just kidding. Um, God, that was terrible. Okay. Yeah, Facebook. I am Tina Sarge on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But that uh, will be changing. Obviously, when I change my name, Tina uh, is going to change. I'm going to be going by TJ. So if you'd like to start referring to me as TJ, I would absolutely love that. Um, I started a TikTok <laughs> as a joke. Okay. Um, and that's been kind of fun because I'm, you know, kind of doing some of my trucking stuff on there. And you can meet my little doggo, who's, <laughs> who's my child. Um, so I am the real Sargentina okay. on TikTok. And then you could always email me, like if there's an event or something like that, that you, I don't know, if you have people that are struggling with their fantasies, I absolutely love, love helping direct fantasies. That is, oh my God, so much fun for me. Um, so if you haven't, if you haven't seen a fantasy that you've fallen head over heels in love for, and you want to see one, there's some great ones on YouTube. Mine is on YouTube as well. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's pretty fucking funny because uh, it involves Disney and a gangbang. Um, <laughs> Disney princesses and a gangbang. Um, <laughs> so yes, I love I love to help with that. So you can always email me. It's uh, Sarge Imsel, I-M-S-L 2015 at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Are there any last words you'd like to share with our audience before we go? Yeah, sure. Um, live what you want to be, not what somebody else wants you to be. And integrity will fall right in line. You won't even have to work at it. When you are being your authentic self, integrity comes easy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on Leather Talk. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon. I appreciate it. Well, before we go, don't forget to check out the many outreach programs we have available to us here in the Los Angeles area. The Alley Leather COVID-19 Assist, Boulevard Pantry and LELC Cares are all ways that you can get assistance during these trying times of COVID-19. I will have links in the description below. I would also like to throw in a shameless plug here. Uh, the Boulevard will be having a virtual event on March 21st over Zoom at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this will act as a fundraiser to help out the Boulevard Pantry and the LELC Cares. So if you would like to help out and have a little bit of fun while you're at it, come and support us here at the Bullet Bar in Los Angeles. Again, everything is over Zoom. 
So we will have auction prizes. We're going to have performances. It's going to be loads of fun. So I hope to see some of you there. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and please stay kinky. Oh my God, you're holding down a stormtrooper. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Oh, Bitch. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw in a little humiliation. <laughs> just, a, just, a, just a twinge. It's like a twinge of humiliation. Oh <laughs>